Good morning, and welcome to the radio broadcasts of the Brinesburg Missionary Baptist Church.
Mary, did you know that your baby boy would someday walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you deliver will soon deliver you. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would give sight to a blind man? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would calm the storm with his hand Did you know that your baby boy Has walked where angels try When you've kissed your little baby You've kissed the face of God Mary, did you The blind will see, the deaf will hear, the dead will live again. The lame will leap, the dumb will speak, praises to the Lamb. Mary, did you know that your baby boy is Lord of all creation. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will one day rule our nations? Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb? This sleeping child you're holding is the great I
Today you'll be listening to the message preached by our pastor, Brother Brad Walker, during our Sunday morning worship service. May God bless you as you listen to his message. Thank you, Nadia, for that special music. We got some talented students, don't we? We are blessed. Turn with me this morning to Ephesians chapter 5 again. Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to be looking at verses 8 through 14 this morning. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 14. And this morning we're going to be looking at how to walk as children of light. And as you're turning there in your Bibles, let's go to Lord in prayer. Lord Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning and we thank you again for the opportunity that we have had to worship, to pray, to give. And Lord, now as we open up your word, I pray that you would speak to us anew and afresh. Lord, show us how we can be the people you've called us to be. Your children, a, a, a holy chosen nation. Lord, I pray that you would continue to speak to us about how we can be radically different. How we can live transformed lives from the world around us. Lord, that we wouldn't be conformed in, into the into the actions and the attitudes and the ways of thinking that the world around us carries on in. But Lord, that we would be different, radically different, because of the fact that we have been redeemed at the greatest price possible, the blood of your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. So Lord, I pray that we would live like it. Lord, I know I have some friends here today that don't yet know you as Savior and as Lord. And Lord, even right now, you're speaking to their heart. They know that, that you're speaking to them right now, and they need to be saved. I pray that whatever the reasons are that they haven't made those decisions, whatever's holding them back, Lord, that they be set free, given the freedom to move and, and to make that decision today. And Lord, we'll celebrate in it. Lord, I know I'm a very weak vessel. I've been behind the cross, Lord, that only you'd be seen and only you'd be heard. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ephesians chapter 5 is really all about change. It is designed to teach us that we are different, radically different from the world around us. And since we are different, then we should live a different life. The simple truth is, is that believers should be different from those who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And Lord, we, we should clearly be seen as different. And just a, a brief review of the first seven verses of this chapter clearly demonstrates that truth. We see there in verse 1 that we were commanded to live like God. Then in verse 2, we are commanded to love like God. And then in verses 3 through 7, we saw that we were commanded to leave the world and its ways behind us, that we're to no longer live in that same pattern. And then beginning in verse 8, the apostle tells us why we are to be different. This is something that we need to hear. This is something that we need to heed this morning, after all, we are living in this world. And in this world, we are aliens and strangers. And while we are strangers and pilgrims in this world, there was a time when we were actually citizens of this world, where we lived just like this world. We thought just like this world. We did what this world did because we were part of this world. We were part of them. We were no different. But when we were saved... By the grace of God, we were delivered from our old life of sin, and we were given a new life of righteousness. And while we were delivered from the world, we still possess 
a deep familiarity with the world and its ways. There is still a part of us, it's that fleshly part that still desires the things of this world that we left behind when we were saved. Beyond that, there is always pressure from the saints of God to be more like the world around them. There is overt pressure, and we see that from advertising. We see that from entertainment and other forms of media for us to do what the world does. Great pressure. But there's also subtle pressure, even from people who say they love us, because they would like to see us act just a little bit more like them. From our lost family members and friends, they would like to see us do the things that they do. They have always felt that... I've always felt like folks sometimes do that because it makes them uncomfortable that we live such a a different life. And it makes them a bit uncomfortable to to then be around us. There is a pressure from within as the flesh reaches out for the things that are now forbidden to it. And we might be saved, but there's still a part of us that loves sin and that hates the rigors of holiness. And while there is pressure to go back, there is also pressure to go forward. Just as surely as the flesh and the world long for us to conform to their ways, we know that the Spirit of God and the resurrected Spirit within us want to be transformed so that we might be what God has saved us to be. And so he is giving us that pressure to live like he has called us to live. And so here are just a few verses that make it clear what we're, this battle that's going on. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And then in Galatians chapter 5, verse 17, he says, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. The last verse we studied last week, verse 7 said, Be not ye therefore partakers of them. The verses before us this morning teach us how to make that a reality in our lives. And so if you would, please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 14. Beginning in verse 8. For you were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame to even speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou and sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. You may be seated. So, how can we walk? How can we walk as children of light? How do we do that? Well, in verse 8, we're told how we are changed. How we're changed. What were we? We see what we were here. We were sometimes darkness, he says. Well, now what does that mean? It means that we were lost in the darkness of sin and depravity. We were blinded by the gods of this world. We lived like every other lost person. And as we were living in our sin, we enjoyed it. 
We enjoyed living in our sin. The sins of verses 4 and 5 were, uh, uh, we see, were who we were and, and what we did. We were enslaved to sin. We knew nothing else. We wanted nothing else. We were lost in darkness and, and headed to hell. We lived like the lost people that we were. But then we see what we are because he says we are light in the Lord. And so when the Lord saved us, he delivered us from darkness. Colossians 1:13 says, "Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son." And so when the Lord delivered us from the darkness, he set us free from the power of sin. He has changed us. He's made us children of light now. And since we have been changed, we are to walk in the light and no longer in the darkness that once characterized us. Consider Romans 13, 12 through 14. He says, the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Our lives once manifested the works of the world, the flesh, and the devil. Sin was a way of life for us. Darkness was where we lived and and what we loved. But by the power of grace, The Lord has touched us and saved us and delivered us and completely changed us. He has brought us out of darkness and into the marvelous light. 1 Peter 2, 9 says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a particular people, that ye should shew forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. We are no longer who we used to be. And since that's true, we are to walk as children of light. Now, how do we do that? We do it by avoiding sinful thinking and sinful living. We do it by surrendering our all to the Spirit of God who will produce within us the peaceable fruit of righteousness. And so we have been changed and we should live different lives. And by the way, This is not something that we should have to be constantly encouraged to do. It is truly something that should be natural to us as children of God. If we are truly saved and if we have been truly changed, then holiness should simply be a way of life to us. Not something that we're constantly having to be pushed into, but something that simply just comes out of us because it's who we are. But then secondly, look at verses 9 and 10, and we see how we are characterized here. These two verses deal with the reality of our spiritual walk. And if we are truly saved and walking in the light, it will be clear from the life that we live. So Paul says the fruit of the Spirit is seen in three ways. First, it is seen in goodness. In goodness, that word refers to uprightness of heart and life. It speaks of godliness in the, in the motives and thoughts and actions of an individual. It is the quality of God-likeness. This has to also do with our treatment of others, that we treat them in, in that good way. When we practice goodness, we're walking in love towards those around us. And so we are being God-like towards them, and we treat them like God would treat them. We love them like God would love them. 
Well, then we also see it is seen, secondly, in righteousness. It's seen in, in righteousness. The word righteousness refers to our standing before the Lord. And so when we are saved, God declares us righteous. It's a, it's a legal term. And so he took away all of our guilt and imputed then the righteousness of Christ to us and made us holy in his sight as if we had never sinned because now we have the righteousness of a perfect sinless Savior, Jesus. Righteousness is seen in our lives when we live out the reality of who we are and what we have been made in Christ Jesus. But then thirdly, it is seen in truth. This word has to do with honesty, reliability, trustworthiness is what we speak of here. When this quality is seen in the life of a believer, it stands in, in stark contrast to the hypocritical, deceptive, and false ways of the world around us. And so, again, goodness deals with our relationship with others. Righteousness deals with our relationship with God. And truth deals with our personal integrity in our own lives. And these three characteristics are called fruit. Fruit, singular fruit. Fruit is the unfolding of life. None of these things taken to their perfect fulfillment are things that you will find in the lives of an unbeliever. Not when it's taken to its, its full conclusion. They are the fruit, they are the proof of the presence of life in that believer. The life the Lord has placed there. And just as in a fruit tree, you can tell if that fruit tree is alive or dead, if it's producing fruit or not. In our life, you can tell if, if, if these things are present, you can tell that we are alive in Christ. When we know him, we will be like him. You will notice that he did not speak about praying a prayer. He didn't speak about joining the church. He didn't speak about being baptized. He didn't speak about uh, being good to other people or doing good works or, or giving money towards the church or serving the church physically. Because all those things are good. Yes, very good. But they are works that are easily accomplished in the flesh. In other words, anyone can do them. Even a lost person can do those things. A lost person can pray a prayer. A lost person can get into the baptistry and, and get wet. A lost person can do some good things. A lost person can, can manifest those things in their own power. On the other hand, the three characteristics that Paul mentions here, goodness and righteousness and truth, those are only possible through the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a redeemed believer. And so you see that fruit and you know that you are speaking to a believer. But well, the third look at verse 11 how we are commanded. The phrase, have no fellowship, that means do not be a partaker of. Those who know the Lord should not be partakers of those things that are evil, not even by association. We are to avoid all things that are evil. We are to avoid even the appearance of evil, we're told here. So we have to be in this world, yes. Why? Well, we have to be in this world because we have to witness to the lost in this world. We are to be God's ambassadors. We are to take his message of the gospel to a lost and to a dying world. But as we do that, we are to avoid all the things that are evil. We're to avoid even the appearance of those things. And so even being in the world so that we can witness to the world, we must be careful that we do not allow ourselves to get trapped by the ways of this world. 
We are to be separate. We are to be holy people to the glory of the Lord. And so the kind of sins that are to be avoided have been mentioned here in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 through 31. And in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 4 through 6, this is not an exhaustive list of all the sins that are to be avoided, but we are to avoid all sin clearly. But we are to, to guard our hearts, we're to guard our minds, we're to guard our bodies. Sin is all around us, but so is the help of the Spirit of God. And so if we trust Him, He'll help us to live lives that are holy and pleasing to Him. Then fourthly, look at verses 11 through 13 with me. And we see how we are commissioned. See, our responsibility to abstain from sin goes farther than simply not doing sinful things. Here we are commanded to reprove them. This means that we are to expose evil for what it is. When, when we are silent about sin, we are guilty of encouraging it. We, we, when we are, ignore sin, then we are guilty of promoting it. The word reprove carries the idea of correction and discipline and punishment. And so it means that we confront sin by refusing to tolerate it. This means that there are times when we must speak out. And we talked about this again in Sunday school this morning as well. That may be uncomfortable at times, but we have to do it. We must tell others what the Bible says is right and what the Bible says is wrong, even when that is, is in contrast to what the world around us tells us is, is, is right and wrong. Because many times those are going to be polar opposites. Sometimes our intolerance of sin will be direct as we deal face-to-face with those who are involved in sinful activities. At other times, our reproof of, of wickedness will be indirect. That is, we do the opposite of what the world around us does and God uses that to rebuke them for their error. They are selfish, and so we are to be giving. They curse, we are to bless. They live for self, we are to live for God and for others. They lie while we speak the truth in love. Simply living for the Lord is a powerful testimony in the face of the evil that it surrounds us in this culture. One of our problems is the fact that we don't take sin seriously enough, though. Many times we wink at it, we laugh about it, we see those around us who are engaged in sin, and we fail to confront it. We just don't take sin as seriously as God has called us to. And while we would never do many of the things those around us do, we seem to enjoy those things from a distance. Thus, we still contaminate ourselves by it because we refuse to take a stand against that sin we refuse to rebuke that sin and so in a passive way we've okayed it verse 12 tells us that it is a shame to talk about the things the world does we love to hear a juicy bit of gossip many times don't we many times that's what social media gets involved in is, is just this or that piece of gossip being passed around. We talk about the sins of others, passing it around from ear to ear or from one computer or smartphone to the next. God says something here that we need to hear. He says that we are to use as few words as possible 
and we are to encourage. We're not to be a part of any of that. To talk about those sins in a way that spreads it around from place to place is a shameful thing. Are we talking about sin like we do because we secretly want to be a part of what others are doing? I think sometimes that may be the problem. God says that it is a shame for us to do that. Verse 13 tells us how to handle sin. We handle sin by taking every action and exposing it to the light of the word of God. We are to hold it up to the Bible. And if the Bible is against it, we are to stand against it too. Again, even when that means we're going to have to stand contrary to the culture around us. If the Bible is for it, we are to be for it. Again, even when the culture around us says that they don't agree with what we stand for, the Word of God alone is to be the standard of our lives. Light makes things manifest. Light makes things easy to see. And so when we walk in the light, it makes the evil of the world around us very easy for us to see. The children of God should walk so holy, we should walk so clean and so close to God that we stand out as beacons of light in the dark world and culture that we live in. And as we lift up truth and expose sin, not everyone's going to be happy. And sometimes I think that's why we don't do it, because we're afraid of, of, of offending the world rather than being afraid of offending God. But we, we, we're not going to make everyone happy. Still, it honors the Lord, and it is far better advertisement for him than a life that partakes of the sins of the world. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. We are commissioned to be different. And when sin is exposed and dealt with properly, the gospel is manifested and God is glorified. Those are reasons enough for us to walk in the will of God. But then fifthly, look at verse 14. So how we are called. Paul closes this section with an invitation for the lost to come to Jesus for salvation. If they will simply wake up and come to Jesus, he will save them and he will give them light. He is calling the lost people who might have been in that congregation to come to Jesus for salvation. Inside any worship service, inside any congregation, there will be those who are lost, those who have not yet made that decision for Christ. Some of those may be young people who just haven't yet made that decision. Others will be visitors who have come, family members who have come. But there will be people who haven't yet made that decision for Christ. That who, that's who Paul was speaking to here. He's calling them that they can still come today. He's telling them that there's still, there's still the offer of salvation today. And that's what he's saying for those who may be here this morning and don't yet have that relationship with Christ. If you're lost... Jesus says, you can still be saved. That's the good news. That's the gospel, is that you can still be saved. The Lord will change your life, deliver you from darkness, and fill you with his light if you will simply repent of your sin, turn away from your sin, and run to him, and by faith accept him, then you can be saved. 
Paul says, if you're lost today, then come. There is also a call here for the believer, though, to wake up. He wants the believers to wake up. We, are, we have wandered through this world in, in a spiritual slumber, he says, for far too long. And it's time for us to wake up and, and get about the business of the Savior, doing what he has called us to do. And when we do, we will be light in the world, trapped in darkness. It may just be that the Lord will use that light to save sinners. Here's how Paul said it. In Romans 13, 11 through 14. And that, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. And let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day. Not in rioting and drunkenness. Not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and in envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. The church, we as Bridesford Baptist Church, we need to heed that command, that warning. We need to live as light in a very dark world. There was once a great fire in Edinburgh, Scotland, in which people hurried to exit the building through a passageway that led to the safety of the outside street. And they were almost safe when a rush of smoke met them, blowing into the passageway from just outside. That smoke concealed the light just outside and prevented them from seeing the only real chance that they had to escape that fire. In their darkness, they did not know that safety was just mere steps ahead. And so instead of running straight through the smoke, they entered through another doorway into a room that seemed safe. But soon all the oxygen in that room was exhausted and those individuals suffocated. If only they had seen the light, they could have been saved. You see, the world needs the light that we have to show them. They desperately need the light, but this culture is producing a whole lot of smoke that keeps them from truly seeing the light. It is the Lord's will that we as children of light might be bright enough that we would shine out in this dark world, that those who are lost, those who are searching, that they could easily see it. It is the power of his light within us that will highlight the differences between us and the lost world around us. And so let's seek the Lord today and ask him for help to walk as children of light. And if you don't yet know Christ as Savior and as Lord, come this morning. We're shining the light. It's here. He's offering it up to us. Would you come? Those of us who are children of light, are we living like it? Are we living the way that Christ has called us to live? Are we shining that light brightly enough that the lost world around us can see it? How does the Lord call you to be obedient? How does he call you to respond this morning to the message that he has placed upon your heart? Will you be obedient? Will you respond to him today? Lord, Heavenly Father, we come to you and we thank you for the light that you've given to us. Lord, the opportunity that you give us to be light in a very dark culture, in a very dark world, Lord, help us 
to take that command that you've given to us, that commission that you've given to us, and help us to shine out brightly as that beacon in a very dark world. Lord, I pray for my lost friends today, for that young boy or girl that might be lost today, for that man, that woman, maybe even that senior adult who have never really come into that saving relationship with you. Well, I pray for them today that they would have a holy boldness to step out and to say, yes, I want Christ. Maybe some of them have already made that decision, but for shyness or, or, or timidness, have not stepped forward and let the church celebrate in that decision that they've made. I pray that you'd give them the courage to come forward and let us celebrate with them. Lord, I pray for brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, that we would step out and that we would be the light you've called us to be. Lord, that we'd be different than the world around us to your honor and to your glory. And so now, help us, whatever the decision that needs to be made, help us to be obedient to you and to respond as you've called. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today from Bryansburg Missionary Baptist Church. If you need spiritual help with your relationship with the Lord, please call 270-527-3757. Also, we would like to invite you to attend our services. On Sunday morning, Sunday school begins at 10 a.m. and our worship service is at 11 a.m. On Sunday evening, discipleship training begins at 5 p.m. with our worship service at 6 p.m. You may also view our Sunday worship services live on Mediacom Inspiration Channel 93. On Wednesday night, our worship service begins at 7 p.m. Once again, thanks for listening, and may God bless you and your family.